Hey there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in him and who we are to him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. back. We're on episode number 17 of our study through Solomon's song, or the Song of Solomon, rather. And we're on chapter number two and verse number four is where we're going to pick up today. And really, uh, up to this point, what you have been able to see is this pattern that's been on display. It's an awesome pattern because it, it not only is it just a story of the, the lyrics of the shepherd girl and the king uh, together and the melody, which is the sexual content, and then you got this message that's in between the two that's a powerful picture of exactly how Christ expresses love to us and how God expresses love to us and how um, we are joined with him as truly the pursued in the role of the bride, and he is the pursuer, the role of the groom. And so we see this communication expression in rest. And if you've been able to pick this up, um, you're going to be able to see this on full display. And my hope for going over this over and over and over again, this with the communication expression in rest, is that the more that you see this on display, I really want you to start to look for this and notice this even in your own life with God and the times where God communicates his love to you and he expresses that love to you, maybe through the, the action of someone in your life where he brings something to pass in your life. It's an action that demonstrates what he just communicated to you. But then you have that time where you meditate. He gives you something new or it expands that dynamic of your relationship. Even David said in the Psalms, in my distresses, he enlarged me. Uh, like a Tupperware container lid, you know, you got to try and you're trying to force it onto a container. And if you heat it up, uh, what it does, it softens it where you can snap that, that lid onto a larger container. And really, when David said, in my distresses, he enlarged me, every time God communicated and expressed with me in his life, in my life is what he was saying, is that God, uh, I meditate on that and bam, it pops into a, a greater level and greater understanding and a greater capacity that I'm now able to do because of that communication expressed. And sometimes the communication is not always sound like romantic words. Sometimes it sounds like um, something a little bit tougher than that. It sounds like a loss sometimes. It sounds like a, a layoff or it sounds like a job or it sounds like a, a losing a job or a sounds like a breakdown in your vehicle. It sounds like some kind of difficulty that comes across your path, a setback financially, and it sounds really harsh. And we think, well, that's God speaking to me. And truth is, God doesn't always sound uh, the way that we want him to sound. The whole purpose of God communicating with us is to bring us to a greater level of understanding with him. That's why I said earlier, when you come to a wall in your life, instead of asking God why, you start asking God what. What is it you want me to learn about that? So we see this communication expression and rest, and we're going to roll into this a little bit more as we go on. But but we see this um, this dialogue taking place, and it's between the two of them, and it's a beautiful picture of the communication in a strong relationship, what that looks like. And the communication is powerful. It's a powerful exchange of affirmation between two individuals, and the beauty of this exchange is that it sets both a pattern for us in our relationships horizontally as well as with other, as well as with the message of love from God to us, the vertical message. And so in this segment, starting in verse number two, she opens with the declaration that she is who he told her she is, and the king pushes the declaration into the stratosphere 
by taking her emotional wounds and feelings of insecurity into a place of healing. Remember, she said that she compared herself to the daughters, and he says, no, 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 you are, uh, you're, you are unique, and you are different from the daughters, but it's not, it's not a bad thing. You've looked at that as a, as a failure, as a setback in your life, but I'm telling you, setbacks are sit-ups. <laughs> they are, they're there to give you core strength when you have a, do a sit-up. Um, you go set back, and then you come back up, and that pull-up is what gives you core strength. He said, man, you've had a, it's not a setback. This is something that I've designed. Um, th- this is perfect because this is, this is why I chose you. You're different. And she responded with her heart on full display. Because he spoke of her uniqueness and and how she didn't feel like she measured up. And he said, no, that's the reason why I love you is because you're not like everyone else. And she responds with a heart on full display. She compared him to a deeply satisfying characteristics of an apple tree. And so the scene is perfection and provision and sources. And, and she lets him know that. And I love the way they talk. And I love this language between the two of them because it's not just words, man. They're looking for ways to communicate. And when you communicate with someone that you love, you don't just throw words out there. Man, words can be hollow and empty, and we're used to words. I mean, the world, it takes a world and a word, and it will twist it around and cheapen it. And so when you speak to someone, it's the effort involved. And let me find a way to communicate my heart to you through everything that you would see around you and through everything that you hear. And let me find a way to communicate through the words that you say to me. And let me find a way to reach into that conversation and make this a rich and rewarding process for you. Man, I want you to know my heart, and I want there to be no doubt that no And I want you to also know that no one else can talk to you like the way that I'm speaking to you. This is, this is unique, and you're forever, ever, ever going to remember the way that I speak to you. And when you start to hear God's voice in your life, you will understand that you don't ever want to go a day without it, man. I I have to hear from him, and I'm looking and for him. And man, I said, God, speak to me today. I want to see you. I want to see you, see you so bad. I want to talk to you. Tell me something. Tell me something, you know, and just got, because I love the way that God talks to me. He talks to me in a visual reminder, and a visualization is what is very strong for me. So God brings things to me in a visual way, and he shows me things, just little signs and symbols and things. And so the scene opens up as they enter in this, this palace dining room, and the king did not sit with guests. And look at the verse in chapter 4, or chapter 2, verse number 4. It says, He brought me into his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. He brought me into his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. And so the scene is opening up, they enter the dining room, and the king did not sit with the guest. He sat in a place that was up above the rest of the dinner party. He was in this place of elevation where he could overlook everything and everyone, and she sat up there with him. And there was no mistaking his seat because above his throne was a very large banner displaying his name and the crest of Solomon. The crest and the shield of Solomon represented his power and magnificence. And to everyone in that room, as they looked up at Solomon while they ate, they saw power. And they saw wealth. They saw strength, stability, justice, wisdom, and courage. All of his name, his name connotated that. Remember verse number three of chapter one, they talked about his name. And man, the name of Solomon connotated all those words. And so as the guests would sit there eating their dinner, they would look up at where Solomon sat in his little alcove that was off the the side of the dining room, up above in an elevated position. They looked at that, that crest and that name that was up there, and they saw his name Solomon. And automatically those thoughts came to his mind. And to the bride that was seated next to him, when she looked at Solomon, 
She saw those aspects on display, but she saw something even greater. To her, the crest and the name on that banner symbolized a love that she never knew could ever exist for her, and she knew this king on a level unlike anyone else in this room. These guests held his court, but she held his heart. And when she looked at him, she saw the stability, and she saw the wealth, and she saw the power, and the strength, and the justice, and the wisdom, and the courage, but she saw love. She saw a love that was personal and expressed to her that not one of these guests would receive, and she knew him on a certain level uh, that was different than the others. And so when she looked at him, she wasn't just seeing his name with all those things. She looked at the banner over her, and she saw that his name meant protection and power and stability, and all of those things that his name connotated were things that he brought to her. But also he saw she saw love. She saw this aspect of love. And when God began this relationship with you, two very important things took place, and these two things should never be permitted to leave your heart and mind. Now, Satan is going to do his best to distract you, to keep your mind off of these uh, facts, off of these realities, and he'll bring feelings. He'll bring people into your life. He'll bring uh, circumstances about uh, where it'll challenge these two things. And honestly, much of our life is meant as it's, it's set up as a distraction for these two things. And today, I want you to know this. The first thing is that he is yours completely and holy. The king belongs to you completely and holy. He covers you with his name and with his love. Man, never forget that. He is mine. God is yours. He is yours. The king of kings is yours. The second thing is that if he is yours, then the second thing is true. It follows right on the heels with that, and that is that you are his. He is yours, and you are his. Everything else is a distraction. Every other thing is a distraction meant to keep your mind off of those things. You know, if you went about your day with the understanding and the belief and the, and the, the, the faith that you, he is yours and that you are his, what in the world can anyone do to you? Well, they took my parking spot. Okay. Man, they didn't give me the raise. Okay. Man, they said this and this and this about me. Okay. Man, this person's trying to get me fired. Okay. He is yours and you are his. You belong to him from the top of your head to the sole of your foot, and he jealously protects what is his with a consuming passion. And today he wants you to take a moment to understand that you are covered by his love. Man, it's not just a banner that's displaying his name. No, no, no. Under everything that that name says, you didn't just go up there and sit in Solomon's chair and sit at his table and sit underneath that banner because you were not Solomon and to do so was certain disaster. You stayed away from that spot and only Solomon could be there. And if Solomon brought anyone up there with him, it was because he was making a statement for the entire kingdom. And the statement was this, whoever is with me, I am theirs and they are mine. If Just like you see Solomon, when you see them, I want you to think of Solomon. When you see them, if you look at Solomon and see strength, power, wealth, uh, stability, justice, wisdom, courage, when you look at this person that I brought with me, understand that they are now power, wealth, strength, stability, justice, wisdom, courage. Be very careful how you treat them. Mind your tongue how you treat them, and be very careful how you approach this person, because I am theirs, and they are mine. He wants you to take a moment to understand that you're covered by his love and it is your strength. It is your protection and nothing can penetrate this bond or breach the wall. It is everything that he is, has been, or ever will be. He will always provide for you. And when he took you for himself, he in turn met every single need that you will ever have. 
in every circumstance you've ever found yourself in. While you were looking for help, his love was there all the time, and he was covering you. Man, today I just want to challenge you to feel his protective love in all that you do throughout your day and know that this love he has for you is absolutely inexhaustible. You cannot wear him out. You cannot wear his love out. You cannot make him tired. You cannot make him regret that he loves you because of how you are, because you won't say things just right or you don't behave just right all the time. You can't expect that to deter or distract or to somehow undo what that banner represents that he covers you with. And he says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulations, distress, persecution. And Paul goes on to list off this, all of this long list of things that could people would think would pull them away from God's love or pull them out from that banner. But he ends that whole little sentence by saying, now in, in all of this, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. See, we understand John 3.16, it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We, un- we understand that, and we accept it. And where we struggle with is this Galatians 2.20, where Paul said, but he loved me, and he gave himself for me. Paul was saying, if I think of what Jesus did for the world, I, that equals out. When I think of the sacrifice Jesus made for a country, that 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 I can find that, yes, okay. When I think of what God did, uh, Jesus did for my city, okay, that, that I can find the answer behind the equal sign there. But when I stop to think about what Jesus did for me, Paul said, I struggle, man, that, that overwhelms me when I see that. Just it, it, it saturates my mind. It blows my barn doors off, however you want, to, you want to put it. I grew up in the country, so everything blows the barn doors off. But however you want to put it, just understand this, that, that man, today I challenge you to feel his protective love. The greatest thing in this life that you have cannot be seen or heard as much as it is felt within your heart. The greatest things in this life that you have cannot be seen or heard as much as they can be felt within your heart. And today, he longs for you to feel his love for you. To feel his love for you. And I want to challenge you today. Take something, get something to write down and just write these words, I am his. I am his and he is mine. Now when you take ownership of something, I want you just to, and when you write those two words down, I want you to meditate on those two thoughts as you drive to work or as you go about your day today. Maybe if you're listening to this before you go to bed, I want you to think about this today. When you write down the words, I am his, what does it mean to own something? You own your car, or you own your home, or you own, uh, you own a possession, you own uh, a phone, or you own something you're listening to this on. You own it. It's yours. What does that mean? That means you have say. You have jurisdiction over what happens to it. Uh, you have responsibility for it. Uh, you, have, um, you have the freedom with that uh, that no one else has, and you say, I own this. And to say that I am his, man, he owns me. And if he owns me, I don't own me. If he owns me, I do not own me. I am his, and he is mine. That means that you own everything that God is. And if anything, y'all, it's, it's that we don't ask for awareness. We don't have the awareness of what it is we actually have in him. We grab Jesus because he was free 99, but we've never taken the time to examine the riches of Christ, understand what does it mean to have him and to be his. And I challenge you, I am his, he is mine. Write it down, write it down, write it down. I am his, he is mine. And don't just write it down and meditate on that. Think about what it means for ownership on both ends of that spectrum. 
because I promise you, when you stop to understand that you're loved and nothing can take that away from you, uh, so what? They didn't see value in you. Most people around you, even the ones closest to you, truly do not see value in you. Um, we just don't. We're, we, it's very hard for us to grasp the value of someone that we love and um, until they're not there anymore. And so if you, have, if you feel like you're forgotten or feel like you're abandoned, feel like people don't see your value, understand this, that God does, and you are under his protective banner and nothing can pull you out. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, make sure you come back and we'll, we'll jump into the next episode there. We're uh, going to be looking at um, her, the statement that she makes because as the dinner is taking place, she looks over at Solomon and she's taking in everything that happens. And what she says because of what she sees, ah, it is like it sets up for the next stage because remember, it's communication, expression, and rest. So she's going to communicate and Solomon, man, he's going to start expressing. And when he expresses, uh, man, it just like it changes everything. Every, every time uh, the king puts his hand in your life, it changes everything. So that's coming up and we'll catch you next time on that. Make sure you have a uh, give your smile away today. Uh, somebody is needing that and your smile is your source. People are hungry for your source. God bless you. We'll see you next time.